Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. I want to share some real simple things with you today. Uh, You can turn in your Bibles anywhere you'd like, but I'm going to be over in Genesis chapter 1. And I'm going to share some real simple things that, of course, everybody has heard this, and yet there's some obvious truth here that I think most people have missed. And so I'm not going to read all of Genesis chapter 1, but let me just deal with the creation of mankind here in Genesis chapter 1 and in verse 26. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all of the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. That includes the devil because he's a creep. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of the earth, and every tree, and the which is the fruit of the tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. So let me just point out something that should be real obvious. But you know, God made man on the sixth day. And the way that the Jews reckoned time was from the evening, it was the beginning of the day, until the evening of the next day. That's the way that the Jews still reckon time and stuff. And so when the Lord said that he created them on the sixth day, he had already created the animals on the first part of the sixth day. And so it was literally the last part of the sixth day when he created Adam and Eve. And then immediately you move into Genesis chapter two, where God rested from all of his works. And in the next service, I'm going to probably make a bigger deal out of this than what I'll have time to do in this first service. But that is really significant that man entered immediately into a rest. But what I want to point out this morning is that uh, he didn't create man first. He created man last. It was the very last thing that God created, not because we are insignificant. We are the crowning jewel of God's creation. He created all of these things for us. But the reason he created us last is because he prepared everything that we would ever need before we were created. Just think about this. If God would have created us first, we would have had to have tread water for three days before there was any ground to stand on. There wasn't light at first. It would have been cold. And then when the trees started coming up, they didn't just, you know, grow from like a seed. I believe in six literal days of creation, which I'm not going to sit there and 
fight you over that today. But man, I believe that's exactly what the scripture teaches. And so when he created trees and mountains and everything, they didn't just grow or evolve over thousands of years. These things just immediately appeared. We'd have been dodging all of the trees. We'd have been, as the mountains grew, it just wasn't ready for us. And so here is a real obvious truth that many people miss that before God created us, he created everything that mankind would ever need. And God wasn't short-sighted so that he just created enough for Adam and Eve. And then as the population of the world grew, you know, it, it caught him by surprise. This is one of the reasons, and again, I'm, I'm not going to make a major issue out of this, but I just do not believe that man is depleting the earth and ruining the earth. There is nothing we can do that God hasn't anticipated. Did you know I read a thing that there is one stand of trees in Iceland that could literally purify the air of the entire world. Just one stand of trees in Iceland. And then you look about the, uh, you know, the Amazon and all of the different trees and stuff. God created a balance in this world, even in a fallen world, that everything is so perfect. He anticipated however many people there will ever be on this planet. We aren't running out of anything. I've actually got a man that works for me that he's still in the developmental stage, but he has built an engine that can power a car and he drives a car off of water. Water is the most abundant resource on the planet. And, you know, they, they now have discovered enough um, oil in South Dakota alone to run the entire world at the present rate of consumption for 100 years if they would free it up and allow people to to use it. And even beyond that, if fossil fuels didn't work, there's other things. But my point is that this world isn't fragile and limited. People who believe that kind of stuff, it's because they don't factor God into the equation. God created everything that we would ever need before he created us. Adam didn't come to God and say, God, I'm hungry. And God said, oh, well, here, let me make something for you. He had already created all of the food that we now know that there's over 7 billion, 7.8 billion I've heard on the planet. And God created all of that. He has never created more food. He's never created more air. Adam didn't have to say, God, what am I going to breathe? And God had to say, oh, well, here, let me create air for you. I know that these are really simple things. And people think, man, is this all you've got to share? This is really important that God thought through creation and every need that we would ever have. You know, I'm not a great intellectual by any stretch of the imagination, but I study a lot of things and I have studied so much stuff about how intricate creation is. There's just no way it could evolve. The human eye alone is miraculous. They have never made a camera or any kind of lens that can adapt and do all of the things that the human eye can do. God thought through every part of his creation. Everything about us and about this physical world is actually miraculous. Matter of fact, I'll make a bigger deal out of this in the next session, like Dwayne said, if you want to stay. But did you know everything that is above ground was at one time in the ground? 
Some of you are thinking, that doesn't make sense. Did you know your body? He, out of the ground, he formed your body. Out of the ground, all of the animals came. Out of the ground, all of the trees came. Did you know that the metal that's in this microphone, all of the technology, everything that we use, all of the steel, every bit of materials, the cloth that's on the seats, the clothes that you're wearing, everything that is above ground at one time was in the ground. God anticipated the need of the entire human race for steel, for oil, for anything. And he put everything that the human race would ever need. He already created it. We have never created anything. All we do is discover what God has already put there and we learn how to use it and how to melt it and make it into something else. But God anticipated everything. And this is the reason that I just don't believe that we, the earth is fragile. God thought through everything that could ever happen. Now we are supposed to be stewards of what God given us. I'm not saying that we ought to go out and just destroy things, but my point is God's anticipated everything. So now let's apply this to the new creation. That did you know when you got born again, God anticipated everything that you would ever need. And there is nothing that you could ever need from God that God hasn't already created and placed on the inside of you. Everything that you are asking God for, God has already supplied. And some of you are thinking, no way. Let me show you some New Testament scriptures. Look over here in Ephesians chapter 1. And this is a prayer that the Apostle Paul prayed for the Ephesians. And you know, the book of Ephesians, a real simple way of understanding it, you can take the first three chapters of the book of Ephesians and it's talking about what you already have in Christ. And then the last three chapters of Ephesians are talking about how you should live in Christ. And so it's talking about practical application. But the first three chapters, it starts in uh, chapter one, verse three, it says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ who hath blessed us, not who can bless us, but who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And he just goes on and talks about how he has already abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, how we already have everything. And then he prays a prayer in Ephesians chapter one and starting in, um, uh, verse 15, he says, wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Before I go any further in this, let me just ask you a question. If you were to write a prayer that would be read 2000 years later, and you were praying for people 2000 years in advance, how would you pray for them? What would you say? What would your prayer be like? You know, I've been around a long time, amen. I was talking, I was talking to uh, Dwayne back there before we came out here. I'm turning 73 next week. I've been around a long time. And I've heard a lot of prayers. And I can guarantee you, most of the prayers would be something like, oh God, just move. Oh God, touch these people. Oh God, pour out your spirit. And it would be all pleading with God to do something. God, send a revival. 
God, raise up people. It would be pleading with God. That's the way that most people pray for things. Look at Paul's prayer. He says in the next verse, he says that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. He's just praying that you'd get wisdom in the knowledge of God. And then in verse 18, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the uh, riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named and on and on it goes. He's not praying that you would get something new. He's praying, God, open up their eyes to what they have. This is just like Adam and Eve. They didn't have to say, God, I'm hungry. Give me something to eat. And then God responded to them and gave them something to eat. He anticipated that they would need food. And he created all of the food that we have now that's feeding over 7 billion people on this planet, did you know all of this food was there when there was only two people to feed? God anticipated. He's never created new trees. He's never created new anything. He ended his creation and he rested on the seventh day. And we entered into this completeness where everything that we could ever desire was already there. Did you know we're using electricity today? And our life is based on electricity, but God created electricity in the beginning. He didn't just create electricity in the 1700s when men began to learn about it. Did you know it's been here all along? And I believe that God created all of the laws that govern electricity so that we could discover them and so that we could use them. All of the things concerning motion and cars and everything that we've got, God created all of this and anticipated what the needs of the human race would be and created all of these things. Likewise, in the spirit realm, when you got born again, God gave you everything that you will ever need. It says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24, it says, who his own self bear our sins and his own body on the tree that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. If you need a healing today, Jesus isn't waiting to heal you and you don't have to petition him and then wait on God to heal you. God has already healed you. And according to these verses, you have the same power on the inside of you that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It's not out there somewhere. It's on the inside of you. But you can't see the power of God demonstrated until you get into agreement with God. The scripture says, how can two walk together except they be agreed? God has already given you everything. You know, if God could be confused, which I don't believe he can, but if God could be confused, I'm sure he'd be confused by a lot of our prayers. Because we're saying, oh God, heal me. The doctor says I'm dying, this and that. And oh God, we ask you to please move. Stretch forth your hand and touch this person and heal them. I could just imagine God looking at Jesus and saying, didn't you tell them that by your stripes they were healed? It's already been done. That they should lay hands on the sick and they were recovered. Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, he says, you heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. You do it. 
You do it. Don't ask God to do it. You do it. And some people are immediately think, well, who do you think you are? Well, I'm nobody in myself, but I have God's power in me. And most people don't recognize that we've already got it. They're asking God to give them what they've already got. And some people think, so you're saying that you're the source? No, I'm not the source. You know, it's like electricity. I, I don't create electricity, but I can use it. I can turn it on and it's up to me to turn it on. If we call the electric company and say, we're having church this morning, there's going to be thousands of people coming. Some people's life could depend upon what they hear. Would you please turn on the electricity? They aren't going to turn it on for you. They generate the power, but it's at your command. Isaiah chapter 45, verse 11, the Lord says, concerning the works of my hands, command ye me. He told us to command him, not command him in the sense that God, I command you to do this because I'm superior. No, that's definitely not true. But it, we command in the sense that you flip a switch and you command the electricity to come on. God's already created it. There are laws and it's at your command. Are you commanding what God has already provided? He said he gave you the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, are you going to command it and take your authority and make it work? Or are you going to sit there and like a beggar say, God, I have nothing. I can do nothing. But I believe that you, if you would stretch forth your hand, you'll die praying like that. You've got to take your authority and you've got to recognize that God, you knew that this cancer was going to come upon me and you've already placed on the inside of me the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. That's enough to handle cancer, arthritis, anything the devil throws at me. And so I take my authority and then Jesus said, you speak to the mountain. He didn't tell you to talk to God about your mountain. He told you to speak to your mountain. You command that mountain to leave in the name of Jesus. Did you know implied in that Mark eleven twenty three 23 is that you understand God has already done it. He's already created it and you just command what he's already done. Adam and Eve didn't say, oh God, feed me. Instead, they just found out what God had done and they took out and grabbed a banana, peeled it and ate it and said, thank you. They just took advantage of what was already theirs. You know, uh, Dave Duell and I used to come here. Any of you old enough to remember when Dave Duell and I came here? We came here and, and we'd have what we called show and tell. I'd tell and David show. And David prayed for people. He was a wild man. He's now with Jesus. But anyway, one of the first times that Dave Duell ever went to Africa, he ministered and he saw miracles happen, blind eyes open, and great things happen. And uh, he was in Africa. And of course, it was a country where nearly everybody there was black. And the next day he was out in the market and he is a white guy was walking along. People recognized him from the previous night. And so they saw him and people started coming up and, and yelling and saying things he couldn't understand what they were saying, but they were just wanting to touch him. And so he started to say, no, it's not me. It's not me. He didn't want the people thinking it was him. But before he could say anything, God spoke to him and he said, Dave, he said, what would you think if when I entered into Jerusalem riding on that donkey and people put their clothes in the way and palm branches and they cried, Hosanna, glory to God. What would you have thought if that donkey would have said, oh, it's not me. It's not me. 
He said, nobody was praising that donkey. There's praising the one riding in that donkey. And he says, all you are is the donkey. He says, they see me in you. He says, let them touch you. And so Dave just started walking through and letting people touch him. Now see, most people are thinking, well, no, it's not me. Well, obviously it's not you, but that power is in you. Philemon chapter one, verse six says, the communication of your faith becomes effectual. That means it begins to work by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. It didn't say that your faith begins to work by you praying and fasting more, by you doing this or doing that. It's by acknowledging what you already have. You can't acknowledge something that you don't already have. Brothers and sisters, you have the power of God. If you are born again, you have the power of God. If you aren't born again, we're gonna give you an opportunity to receive Jesus today and to get him living on the inside of you. But when you become a born again person, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. All things, not some things, all things. You are completely brand new. You know, I hadn't got time to teach on this, but this is what really changed my life. I had a miraculous encounter March the 23rd, 1968, and God showed me his love for me. I was caught up in the presence of God and it was wonderful, but it was confusing because I didn't understand how God could love somebody like me. I didn't love me. I wasn't the person I was supposed to be. I was an introvert. I couldn't even look at a person in the face and talk to him. I was, there were just so many things in my life that were wrong and I couldn't understand. God, why do you love me? I experienced it, but I couldn't understand it. And the thing that literally turned my life around was 2 Corinthians 5, 17, that if you are in Christ, old things are passed away. All things are become new. And and I just was looking at my life and thinking, God, there's nothing in my life that's new. I'm still bound by all of these things. And the thing that changed my life was to understand that it's not my body that's saved. It's not my soul, my mental, emotional part that's saved. It's my spirit that got born again. And I began to realize that in the spirit, I was a person that I had never known before. And I had power and authority that I never knew that I had. And the thing that changed me was when I quit dealing with myself as just a physical man and just recognizing what I had in the physical realm. And I started looking in the scriptures. Jesus said in John chapter six, verse 63, he says, it's the spirit that quickens the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. And so God's word is spirit. God's word shows you who you are in the spirit. It even says in, a, in James chapter one that whoever looks into this perfect law of liberty is like a man that beholds his natural face in a mirror. This is a spiritual mirror. If you wanna see what you're like in the spirit, you have to look in this spiritual mirror and just trust it the same way that you trust what you see in a mirror. Did you know you've never seen your face? <laughs> Some of you think I have too. I saw it this morning. No, you saw a reflection. You saw a mirror. You've seen a picture of your face. You've seen a drawing of your face. You have never with your eyes looked at your face. You can't see your face. But you know what? You've got to where you trust a mirror. 
This is a spiritual mirror. You can't see who you are in Christ, but this is a perfect representation. And so somebody says, how are you? And you say, oh man, I hurt all over. I'm depressed, I'm discouraged, I'm fearful. You're just looking at the physical man. But what you should be saying is, Lord, let me see. Oh, right here, Ephesians 1, 3. I'm blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. I am raised with Christ. I have the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead living on the inside of me. But see, most of us are dealing with ourselves and our situation by based on what we see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. That's what the Bible calls carnal. Most people think carnal, it means terrible, sinful. No, carnal just means you're of the five senses. You're limited to what you see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. That's carnal. And the Bible says to be carnally minded is death, Romans 8, 6. But to be spiritually minded, word minded, is life and peace. If you were to see who you were in Christ, if you were to be like this prayer we were talking about where he says, open up their eyes and show them what they have the exceeding greatness of his power towards us, the same power that raised Christ from the dead. You've got raising from the dead power on the inside of you. It's not out there. You don't have to pray it down. You don't have to beg God to release his power. It's coming out of you. People will say, man, you know, God wasn't within 100 miles of that place. When the Bible says that if two or three are gathered together, God is there in the midst of us. God is here today. He's here in us and among us. He's here. And if you say, well, I can't see him. That doesn't mean he's not here. It just means you aren't real smart. You aren't real spiritual. <laughs> you know, it's just like this wireless microphone. We're sending signals. There is an FM signal that goes back there and picks this up and then rebroadcast it. Did you know that there's other FM signals in here? There's television signals in here. And if a person says, I don't believe that because I can't see it, taste it, hear it, smell it, or feel it, that doesn't mean they aren't here. It just means you aren't real smart. They are here. And all you have to do is have something that will receive that signal and then rebroadcast it. Every one of us in the spirit realm have this, but you have to receive it by faith before you can act it out and manifest it. But you have this same power on the inside of you that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You don't need God to touch you. You're already touched. Amen. <laughs> Up here. That's the problem is we've been touched. We've been taught how to disbelieve. We've been taught how to go only by what you see, taste, hear, smell, and feel. But I'm telling you that God has already done everything. The same way that he created everything for the human race. And we aren't making anything. Nobody is creating anything. They're only discovering what God created and learning how to use it. In the same way, Christians are only discovering what God has already provided and learning how to release it. Man, that is powerful. And if you understand this, it just changes everything. We aren't waiting on God. God's waiting on you. God's waiting on somebody to discover who they are and to find these truths and begin to start using it. And you know, I certainly haven't arrived, but I've left, praise God. I've started discovering what God has put in my life and I've been putting these things into practice. I've seen my wife and my youngest son raised from the dead. My youngest son died March the 4th, 2001. 
and was dead for between four and five hours in a morgue, stripped naked with a toe tag on in a cooler. And he was a white boy and he had turned black. And they called me, my oldest son called and said, dad, I'm sorry to tell you, but Peter is dead. And I asked what happened. And he told me, and I said, don't let anybody touch him till we get there. And Jamie and I had to get up and get dressed. Took us an hour to drive into Colorado Springs. And when we got there, my oldest son, he met me and said, I don't know what happened, but five or 10 minutes after I called you, he just sat up and started talking. And he's alive and well today and works with us today. And my granddaughter who was born a year after her dad died, there's not many people can say that. She's bidding on a house today. She's 20 years old and she's going to uh, be buying a house. And uh, it's just miraculous. And you know how that happened? We didn't ask God to raise him from the dead. But we started speaking our faith and releasing the anointing of God. Again, some people might misunderstand what I'm saying and saying that so you think that you are the one who does all of this. No, it's God's power. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. And I agree with that 100%. But what I'm saying is I'm never without Jesus. Without him, I can do nothing, but I'm never without him. He's in me. He lives in me. And he's put on the inside of me, raising from the dead power. And this is not limited to me. This is limited to every born again believer. Every one of you, if you are truly born again, have the same power on the inside of you that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. What are you doing with it? Are you ignoring it? Are you just bypassing that and saying, oh God, I can do nothing. Would you please? If you do that, you have just short-circuited the power of God. Everything that pertains unto life and godliness comes unto us through the knowledge of him. That's 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. <clears throat> Excuse me. All things that pertain unto life and godliness come through the knowledge of him that is called us to glory and virtue. And then the next verse says, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be a partaker of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. God's word is what gives us this knowledge. So you go back to the word of God. And he says, you preach the gospel. In the same way as he's not gonna preach the gospel for you, you have to preach the gospel. It says, you preach the gospel, you heal the sick, you cleanse the lepers, you raise the dead. Matthew chapter 10, verse eight. The reason people aren't being healed isn't because God isn't healing them, it's because people aren't realizing the authority of the power that we've got and using it. Did you know Leonardo da Vinci was a, brilliant man. He invented all kinds of things. He actually developed or drew plans for a helicopter. And this is back in the 1500s. And he never saw it manifest because he didn't have access to some of the things we've got like electricity and stuff like that and, and the power. But did you know that they've actually taken his plans and built a helicopter that flies? He saw this stuff long before other people did. So he was a brilliant man. But did you know Leonardo da Vinci didn't understand electricity? Not because he was stupid. He just didn't know it. We have a cumulative knowledge through the human race. And we're using electricity. Cell phones. Did you know back when I was a kid, nobody understood cell phones. 
it still amazes me that I can talk to my phone and say, Siri, and ask it a question, and it knows stuff. It's just spooky. It's weird. But did you know that not long ago, people didn't know how to do all these kind of things? But the technology, it was, it was all there. God had created everything. There is nothing new. It's just we're learning how to use things. Did you know you may be a good person? You may love God. You may be living a holy life. But what you don't know is killing you. And there are Christians dying because they are asking God to do what God told us to do. He said, you heal the sick. And they're saying, oh, I can't heal anybody. Well, you in your physical self can't, but in the born again spirit, you have the same power that raised Christ from the dead. Are you gonna acknowledge what you have and let it start working? Or are you gonna just continue to approach God as God, I'm a nobody, I have nothing, I can do nothing. Would you please do this? This is why people are not seeing healing manifest, not seeing prosperity manifest is because they aren't cooperating with what the word of God says. So the most important thing that you can do is to renew your mind through the word of God. Romans chapter 12, verse two says, don't be conformed to this world. The word conform means to pour into the mold of. Don't be poured into the mold of this world but be transformed. The word transform there is a Greek word metamorpho where we get the word metamorphosis from. If you want to change like a caterpillar from something that's earthbound to something that's beautiful and can fly, you get transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. You could say so that you might experience the good, acceptable and perfect will of God. It all comes through the renewing of the mind. Brothers and sisters, just like Adam and Eve had everything that they would ever need provided for them. They didn't need God to do anything. They just needed to discover what God had already created, all of the great things that he had made for the human race. It was just a matter of discovery. Likewise, you don't need God to to take away your depression. The Bible says that you already have love, joy, peace, Galatians 5.22. You've already got these things. You By his stripes, you were healed. He's already blessed you with all spiritual blessings. He will bless whatever you set your hand unto. He's already done everything that he needs to do. What we need to do is discover who we are and what we have in Christ. And if you do that, I guarantee you, you will start seeing supernatural life manifest through you. The Christian life is meant to be supernatural. Supernatural. I often say it this way. If your life isn't supernatural, then it's superficial. If your neighbors look at you and can't tell any difference between you and somebody who doesn't know the Lord... You could love God, you could be a good person, but you are not manifesting the true Christian life. Sad to say during this COVID thing, did you know so many Christians were just as fearful as people that didn't know the Lord? That is weird. That is weird. 
I believe in healing. But even if you don't believe in healing, you've got the promise that you're going to go be with the Lord. We sing the song about when we all get to heaven, what a day that'll be. And then the doctor tells you you're going and you start crying. Something's wrong with this picture. Man, Christians, it says over in Hebrews chapter two, verse 14, it talks about Jesus came to free us from all of those who their lifetime were subject to bondage through fear of death. A Christian shouldn't have any fear of death. Man, we, we have passed from death unto life. And, and it's like Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And yet there were Christians that were just as afraid of getting COVID as people that didn't know the Lord. That's a shame. That shouldn't be. Am I saying that COVID isn't real, that it doesn't exist? That's not what I'm saying, but I'm saying the fear. There ought to be a difference between people that know God and people that don't know God. Amen. We're alive and they're dead. You ought to be able to tell the difference between alive and a dead person. Man, I was in a service one time where a person died. They called 911 and they took out half the congregation before they found the dead person. That's a dead church. I'm telling you, you need to look alive. The buzzards are coming. Satan is looking for someone. You need to express this life. We were singing about it today, echoing the authority of Jesus is what that song says. Do you think that Jesus would respond to your problems the way you're responding? Well, you've got Jesus on the inside of you and you're supposed to be no longer you living, uh, Galatians 2.20, but it's Christ living in you. You need to get this mindset. It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You need to focus on your problems the way that you believe Jesus would focus on it. And some people think, well, that's Jesus and this is me. Again, see, this is what I've been saying the whole time. You don't know who you are and what you've got. On the inside, you have Jesus living on the inside of you. You have the same power that raised Christ from the dead Everything that you'll ever need is already supplied. You just need to mine it and to pull it out. And you may have to refine it and do some things in order to see the physical manifestation, but I promise you everything you need, all things that pertain unto life and godliness are given unto us through the knowledge of him. This word of God is the way that you mine these great truths and things that God has put on the inside of you. You get in here and you renew your mind and you get transformed into that same image of Christ. Man, that's awesome. You know, I praise God that you're here on Sunday morning. I'm not trying to discourage anybody who's come. Praise God that you're here. But Christianity is more than one hour a week. It's more than just coming on Sunday morning. This is where we come together and there is a cumulative or a, a corporate anointing. And it's wonderful to experience great praise and worship and to hear ministry and to do all this and see friends. And there's great things that happen through us joining together like this. But the real Christian life is just renewing of your mind and that has to be done on a daily basis. You can't depend upon Dwayne to be there every time you have a need. 
And sad to say, this is pretty much where the body of Christ is. Even those who are truly born again, they depend upon certain people who are professionals to be able to do the praying, to deal with all of the problems, to handle all of the stress and things like this. If they're doing a good job, which I believe this church, by the evidence of the things I see, they are training up people and making disciples. But if a church is doing a good job, they're working themselves out of a job. They're making it to where you go directly to God. You find out who you are. And they're here to help you get started and to grease the tracks and to make things work. But they are not here to substitute for you. You know, I've seen a lot of miracles happen, but now I'm getting to a place where I have my Bible college students travel with me and I I nearly refuse to pray for people because they're looking to me and thinking it's just one person who does this. And I'm trying to show them, no, it's believers lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. But the body of Christ as a whole, they believe God can do anything, but they believe he has done nothing. And you've got to ask and beg and plead and fast and do things to motivate God and get God to move. I'm telling you, God has already moved. God's not the one who's stuck. It's not God who's not meeting your need. He's already supplied everything. Everything that you will ever need is already in you. In Christ Jesus, it's a matter of drawing it out, not getting it in. And that, that's a whole different mindset. That totally changed my life. And this is one of the major things that God has me ministering on. And I promise you, if you could understand what I was talking about today and begin to start developing that and just mind the truths that I've talked about this morning, this would make a radical difference in your life. You are loaded. You are everything that God ever wants you to be. It's just a matter of you've got to it comes through the renewing of your mind. You've got to change the way you think. Proverbs 23, 7 says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Your life is exactly the way you believe it to be. I didn't say it's the way you want it to be, the way that you beg for it to be, the way that you would desire for it to be, but it is the way you believe it to be. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And if you are experiencing lack in finances, physical, emotional, in any realm, it's because you, that's the way you see things being. And there may be circumstances that have made you uh, come to that conclusion. It could be the way you were raised. There could be all kinds of different things. But your life is going the way of your dominant thought. If you were to change and recognize I've got everything in Christ and it's just a matter of time until I renew my mind and draw this out and I will be the person, I will manifest that what God made me to be. You get that attitude, it's just a matter of time until Satan and your problems have to bow their knee. I really believe that. Amen. So I've been ministering to Christians today, but if there's anybody here and out of this many people, there's bound to be someone that you are just acknowledging that God exists, but you don't know him personally. You know, the Bible says in James chapter two, you believe that there's one God, you do well. The devils also believe and tremble. That's really a sarcastic put down is what it is. You believe that there's one God, you hadn't done anything the devil hadn't done. But won't you know, vain man, that faith without works is dead. You got to do more than just acknowledge that God exists. 
You've got to commit your life to him. Romans 10, 9 says, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. You have to make Jesus Lord. This doesn't mean that you'll never make a mistake. You're promising that you'll never do anything wrong again because we can't fulfill that. But you have to commit your life to him and say, I trust you. I trust you that Jesus bore my sins. And if you're willing to do that, it says you confess it with your mouth, believe it in your heart, and you shall be saved. It's really that simple. And once you do that, then all of these things that I was talking about today take place on the inside. And the rest of the Christian life is just drawing out what God put in you at salvation. If there's anybody here today who has never done that, I just want to help you to receive. And you know, I'm not sure exactly how they do all of their things here. I'm going to do this. I'm going to just pray a prayer and say basically what needs to be said for a person to be born again. And I'd like everybody just to pray this prayer with me. And if you've never done that before, I would encourage you to pray this prayer and mean it from your heart and God will come into your life and you will be changed and you will be a person that has all of these things that I was talking about today. So let's everybody say this so that a person won't feel like they're the only one and and everybody's listening to them. Just say, Father, I'm sorry for my sin. I believe Jesus died and forgave my sin. And I receive that forgiveness. Jesus, I make you my Lord. I believe that you rose from the dead, that you now live in me. I am saved. I am forgiven in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.